Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode. Um, as you know, I'm here with Nicole, and we're continuing on our conversations in terms of the questions that you guys want to get answered. So if you have any questions that you want to get asked, um, by all means, come join us in our community. And that's, that's the way you'll be able to um, share the questions that you want to get answered. And we'll jump on the actual uh, video podcast that we're doing here and answer those questions on your behalf, as well as Nicole's questions as well. So let's go straight into it, Nicole, if that's okay. So yeah, sure. we, with the last episode, we covered self-esteem and self-worth, and we discussed the difference between what is self-esteem and what's the difference between that and self-worth, and how do you build your self-worth? So let me ask you, Nicole, what is the question you want to have asked? So you mentioned something about genius drivers, correct, in the last episode. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, what exactly are those? Are those like a person's motivators? Because that would be, you know, different for each and every person, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, cool. So genius drivers, look at it from the perspective of genius drivers operate on an unconscious level. So people can't, they, the vast majority of people are unaware of what their genius drivers are, all right? But if I bring them through a set of questions and I drill down into them from the perspective of, and again, you'll know I work on an intuitive level and I also work on a logical level. That's the accountant within me. I have to have a system. I have to have a process. That's just the, the, the methodology within me that actually has to have a system. But the very much the intuitive side of me is guiding those questions as well. So when I'm working with a client, I'm looking for the evidence in their life where the unconscious is showing them what their genius drivers are. So look at it from the perspective of, th think of genius drivers as being, you've got, um, imagine you've got three buckets in front of you. So if you think of it, you know, think of a bucket as being that you'd fill it up with water or whatever it be. So you've got three buckets sitting in front of you. Throughout your whole life, in, in, in the early part of your life, you will create those buckets. So in the formative years is what's referred to. So from the moment you're born right up to typically psychologists will say the age of seven. However, I say, no, it's a little bit further than that. That's just from my own experience with, with, with working with so many clients. And um, it extends up to in around age 10, sometimes up to uh, until age 12. Those, those buckets are formed. Now, what we do for the rest of our life is we try and fill each one of those buckets. And that's where we get fulfillment from. So where people come to me and say, look, I, I have no sense of meaning in my life. I have no focus. I have no direction. I don't know what I should be doing. I just, I don't see if, what, what's the point of it. What, what, what am I doing? And, and I just don't have any joy in my life. Primarily, it's down to the fact of they don't know what those buckets are. And they're not filling each one of those buckets because it op it's operating on an unconscious level. And until such times they're made conscious, they can't purposely fill each one of those buckets. So your genius drivers is absolutely what drives you. It moves you forward. It's separate to what inspires you, but your genius drivers is what actually drives you forward. It's what you get joy from. It's what you get fulfillment from. So when you're filling each one of those buckets, that's how you're getting fulfillment. That's how you get that inner sense of being fulfilled. So when you identify your genius drivers, and again, how you identify them is, I, I got to bring them through a process in terms of identifying those three buckets, for one better word, um, but it's looking for the evidence in their life in order to determine what those three buckets are. 
And then that's what I call your genius drivers. And when you're operating from your genius drivers, that's when you significantly and massively increase your self-worth. And that's ultimately what your genius drivers are. And you, you keep saying three. Is, why is three the magic number? There's a lot of power in three and there's a lot of power in seven. <laughs> so let me put it this way. There's most people will know or some people will know that I'm the seventh son of a seventh of a seventh. So there's a lot of power in seven and there's three sevens. So if you were to do any kind of research in terms of the number three and the number seven, you will find a lot of significance in those two numbers. There's a high energy in each one of those, those numbers, as in the three and the seven. Twelve is another number that has a high energy and a high uh, relevance and so on. So three, seven and twelve will be, from my perspective, the, the, the most significant numbers. If you look at it from the perspective of how the conscious mind works, three is a very powerful number from the perspective of if I tell you, look, you've three things to remember. Well, then you remember those three things. If I tell you, look, here's five things you remember, most people will only remember three. The conscious mind can only process and manage a certain amount of information at any one point in time. So therefore, three works very, very well from a conscious perspective. If I told you, and you have many, many buckets, but if I told you, okay, Nicole, you've got 10 buckets, and let's now fill each one of those buckets, you'll, 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 you'll run out of patience trying to fill all those, all those buckets. But if you take your highest and your most primary three buckets that you want to fill, well, then that's now it's more manageable from that perspective, from a conscious perspective, but also from a practical perspective. Says, okay, all I need to do is focus and concentrate on those three genius drivers. And therefore, now I know what I need to do as opposed to trying to concentrate or trying to focus on 10 or any other number of, of, of buckets that you want to fill. Right. So three is just the highest priorities, not, you know, all of them. Someone could have like 20 buckets, but we want to focus on the first. They'll have 20 buckets, but they'll all, they, they won't be the same. How would I say? It is a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. So if you take it from a priority perspective, you'll have your, your number one, your number two, your number three, and each one goes down in a scale of priority. So therefore mm -hmm. you, is there much point in focusing on anyone that's a lower not necessarily depending on what it is that you want to achieve, but if you focus on your primary, they're the ones that are going to have the biggest impact. Right. It's about efficiency then. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. That's one way of looking at the yeah, efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, usually, I mean, 20% of effort gives 80% of results or something exactly. like that. The yeah. Pareto, Pareto principle. Pareto is principle it? Yeah. 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 Same, so I guess. Same kind of idea. Awesome. Great. So, I mean, we, we got, the difference between self-esteem and self-worth uh, cleared up the last time. And that was really helpful. And, you know, everyone just uses it interchangeably. But you, now after the last episode, I finally understand what the difference is. <laughs> and um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was imposter syndrome. And as a female in aviation, working in aviation, I hear that all the time. Every, every year when we go for the Women in Aviation Conference, it's always, uh, one, of the, one of the talks is always about, you know, imposter syndrome and how to get over it. And so after understanding what I, uh, you know, the difference between self-esteem and self-worth from your previous episode, is imposter syndrome a side effect or a consequence of having low self-esteem? It will be, imposter syndrome will have a consequence, it will be, Part down to your self-worth. Part. Self-esteem, again, is, is where you're going to be investing in other people. 
or what other people think or other people's views, other people's perceptions, where if you've got a high self-worth, well, then you won't, it, it was part of imposter syndrome. So the, the higher your self-worth, well, then the lower your, your imposter syndrome will be. So they, they are linked. If you have, if you're in equilibrium from a self-worth perspective and you know who you truly are, well, then you won't have imposter syndrome. If you're working on your purpose and you're working in line with your genius drivers, well, and you're in equilibrium, I have to re-emphasize equilibrium, well, then you won't have imposter syndrome. So all of those are, are all connected. It's not just one, one little piece fixes imposter syndrome, but when you look at it from, let, 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 me, let me turn the table a little bit. I mean, we can go deeper and deeper on this one. So don't, don't worry about that. If I turn the table and you were to ask your fellow pilots, well, then why is it that you feel imposter syndrome? What is it that you are worried about or concerned about? And I can guarantee you what they'll come out with is something along the lines of, it's a fear. I'm afraid of being found out. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be good enough. I'm afraid of what I'm saying is not what I feel inside, meaning I'm saying I'm a, a brilliant pilot, but internally, I don't feel I'm a brilliant pilot. So there's a fear. So when we're doing or portraying something else to the outside world or to other people, but we don't feel or believe it within ourselves, that's when imposter syndrome is going to show up. So it's a mismatch between what's outside and what's inside. Exactly. Exactly that. Yeah. So when you bring the outside and the inside into equilibrium or into balance or to be the same, now you don't have imposter syndrome. So the questions you want to start asking yourself then is, okay, so what is it that you are fearful of or what is it that you're portraying or what is it that you're saying? What is it that you're communicating? And you communicate in multiple different ways. But what are you communicating to other people or to the outside world that's different to inside and what you feel and what you believe inside. When you've got a high self-belief, and it's one of the pillars, what I spoke about earlier on in relation to confidence, when you build your self-belief, well, then you're building that belief about yourself and what it is that you can achieve. It's that self-belief is that inner knowing that you can achieve what it is that you want to achieve. It is absolutely that deep inner knowing. When you have a low self-belief, but you're portraying to the outside world or communicating to the outside world that I'm amazing, I'm brilliant, this is what I can do and all that kind of things. But inwardly, you feel, actually, no, I can't. That's when you're going to have imposter syndrome. And a lot of times imposter syndrome strikes, you know, people who have already achieved a certain level of, of success or perceived success. You know, they had the job, they've passed the, for, for pilots, we call it the check, right? The end <laughs> of a course exam, the flying exam. So, you know, even after passing that and getting the job and achieving some sort of success, people continue to feel that yeah. imposter syndrome. Yeah. So and the reason being is because they've invested in self-esteem. Right. As opposed and to so, Yeah. yeah. That goes back to what we talked about <laughs> the first exactly. step. Yeah. Yeah. The, the two of them are all, they're all interlinked. So self-care, self-belief and self-worth are all interlinked. So when you look at it from the perspective, so they've either perhaps maybe developed that career or they become that pilot because they wanted to please other people or they, they perceived in their own mind that we look at it, if I'm wearing the, 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 the pilot's outfit 
I'll get recognized as I'm going through the airport and people will look at me as being somebody with stature. Or if I'm walking into the front of the aircraft and I'm taking my seat in the cabin, well, then I feel I'm in con more control and therefore people will recognize me more or I'll have people will look up to me more. So there's a lot of ways of how people invest in self-esteem. They just don't realize it. But when you are in a different zone from the perspective of you know your self-worth and you know who you are and what it is that you're trying to achieve and you know your purpose and what it is that you're driven towards, well, then you're doing it for yourself. It's not, to, it's not from a selfish perspective. It's because the impact and the ripple effect is massive. It's, it's, it's huge because what you do for yourself, you want to do for other people. So when you're building your self-worth and you're, you're working on your self-worth and, and looking at it from, from that perspective, now you don't have imposter syndrome because you know who you truly are. So the phrase, fake it till you make it. Oh, I hate that one. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so glad you're, I'm so glad you mentioned that. That one and power posing is the other one. Oh, God, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So power pose for, for, for people that aren't familiar with power pose, if you think of Superman and you've got, or Superman or Superwoman or Wonder Woman, and you're, you, you've got your, your arms rested on your hips, that's your power pose. Is that right, Nicole? Yeah, yeah. For like five minutes, staying in the position for five minutes. That's supposed to help you, uh, you know, deliver a speech um, in front of like a thousand people after that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So the power pose will help in a short term. Let's put that way. After you show, show, like that example whereby you've got to give a speech and you're up on stage and you do your power pose just before you get on stage. So therefore you feel a little bit more powerful before you go into a room or before you go on stage. It's transient, meaning it will help in that short term, but it's not going to help long term because nobody can continue going around in a power pose. <laughs> so when you're looking at when you come back off stage, here's the difference. When you come back off stage for a lot of people, they go through that cycle of, oh, my God, did I do any good? Uh, was I any good? How do the audience think? So now they start asking themselves. And again, they're all self-esteem questions. So I, I heard um, a good while ago, I think it was Oprah Winfrey that, that said this, that every single person, okay, let me take the absolute out of it. The vast majority of people that she interviewed, as soon as the interview was over, the interviewee turned around to Oprah Winfrey and said, was I okay? Did I do okay? That's where the person is concerned about other people's opinions and in that case Oprah Winfrey's opinions as well as what the audience might think of that particular interview the same thing happens for a lot and lot of other people in every single aspect whether we a speaker on stage or whatever be that that questioning will go on in their mind in terms from a self-esteem perspective from a self-worth perspective you know who you truly are so therefore it's a very 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 different dynamic and the thing is when you're you're faking in faking it till you make it or you're power posing yeah. aren't you pretending to be someone else if you're you know standing in a superman pose you're pretending you to be superman or some other superhero and then yeah. that's not going to help your imposter syndrome at all is no, it it doesn't <laughs> it, it, i'm so glad you brought that up because i it's, it's one phrase that i actually dislike but yet enough a lot of people from a um you know uh, coaches or that kind of side of things say fake it till you make it but actually has more of a detrimental impact on the individual than doing it a good way. So yeah, don't, I, I, I don't, I, I never tell anybody fake it till you make it, never, because it is actually moving closer to imposter syndrome because literally what you're doing is 
you're trying to be somebody else that you're not truly are. And that and that's what increased imposter syndrome. Yeah. And in that case, you would be working on your self-esteem and not your self-worth. Is that correct? If you were faking to make it, yeah. Right. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Also look at it from the perspective. So imposter syndrome will kick in from, because let let me go a little bit deeper on this one, okay? Um, Imposter syndrome will kick in when somebody's not on their purpose. And let me explain that. So there's 12, I've identified 12 different states that people go through. Okay, states of being is what I call them. All right. So I've identified 12 different states of of being that people will move through. And on a previous podcast episode, I talked about five of those different states. Now, when, so let me me explain what what the five of them are. You've got despair, you've got hope, you've got belief, you've got knowing, and you've got mastery. So they're the five states, and there's other states in between each one of those in order to get to, to the top level. When somebody is in a state of despair or a state of hope, they will experience imposter syndrome if they're portraying to the other world, to the outside world and communicating to the outside world something different. So let me just give you a very practical example of that. Say somebody has lost their job or they are, um, yeah, so, some, something's impacted in, 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 their, in their life and typically be financial um, aspect. Losing their job is, is one, one example of, of that. And let's just say they continue doing or portraying what they always used to do prior to losing their job. So they still leave the house at the same time in the morning and they drive to somewhere else for the day and they come back at the same time in the evening that they used to do. And all of this is more to communicate to the other people, whether it be their neighbors, their family or their friends or whatever, that they're still getting into the suit and leaving for work and come they're living a life that's not the true life. And when you're in a state of despair, you're going through that mechanism from the point of view. A lot of people don't want to admit that they're in a state of despair, but inwardly they feel terrible about themselves. They feel lost. They feel, what's the point of it? What they feel, where, what am I to do? Where am I to go? So when they're in that state, they will absolutely, if they're portraying or communicating to the outside world, they will absolutely have imposter syndrome. If you move to hope or belief, when you're in the state of belief, you can, you absolutely believe what it is that you can achieve in life. Um, but it's more, as people would say, ego-based. I have a very different definition of ego. But for listeners, people understand, people have more ego, so therefore they know how successful they can become. So therefore they will work on that. And they will have a lesser imposter syndrome because they totally believe in what it is that they can achieve. In a stage of hope, they will have imposter syndrome because they want to get to a stage of belief. They're not in a state of belief yet, but they're communicating to the outside world that I'm successful and they're faking it till they make it <laughs> and portraying to the outside world. So they will have imposter syndrome as well. But here's the thing. In between the stage of belief and the stage of knowing, what appears is what I call the critical threshold line. And the critical threshold line is where people will feel that they they, they experience it from the perspective of they feel restless. They have a lack of focus or lack of direction. They don't know what they should be doing with their life. They've been doing their life or their career, their business for X number of years. And they get to the point of asking themselves, why am I doing this? I don't get the fulfillment. I don't get the fulfillment. I don't get the joy. I don't get the meaning from what it is that I'm doing. So, but they still continue to do it. 
So they're communicating to the outside world that everything is okay. But internally, they're having this battle, having this conversation in their mind saying, why am I doing this? It, there has to be more to what I'm to do. And they're at a crossroads. They feel depressed. They feel anxious. They, they feel that they're on a hamster wheel or on a treadmill and they're just going through every single day. And they're communicating to the outside world that they're still doing everything as what they've always done. But inwardly, that internal dialogue, they're saying to themselves, why am I doing this? What am I doing? What am I meant to do? What's the point of my life? What should I be doing? That critical threshold line is what actually shows up for a lot of people. And that's where imposter syndrome will kick in. And that feedback for themselves is that you need to be on your purpose. That's what literally it's telling them to do, because that inner sense of I should be doing more. There's something more for me to do. I'm not getting the fulfillment from what it is that I'm doing. I'm not getting the meaning from what it is that I'm doing. That's the feedback for themselves to say, you're supposed to be on your purpose. You're supposed to be on the right track. Do you want to get on the right track? That's So imposter syndrome will show up that way as well when people aren't on the right track or aren't on the right, the right purpose. Let's put it that way. And so, the, and so the antidote to imposter syndrome would be to live out your purpose. Absolutely. That- yeah. So the antidote to imposter syndrome will be work on your self-care, your self-belief and your self-worth to know your genius drivers and to be working along an, an alignment with your genius drivers and to be on your purpose. Then you don't have imposter syndrome. I'm sorry, when you're in equilibrium. <laughs> You mentioned ego. Is that the same thing as self-worth then? Is the ego the same as self-worth? People have an understanding or definition of, self, of ego as being, in some respects, people perceive it as being bad, mm-hmm. but they have a, um, a, a, a misinterpretation of what ego is. So ego, if you were to go back over the origin of ego and research and find out well, what is ego and where does ego come from, People perceive, so let, let, me, let me explain this. When people say, oh, he's got a high ego or she has a high ego, they look at it in a disparaging way. They look at it as being in a negative way because they see that person as being cocky or too proud or being a narcissist or they're full of themselves. That's typically the terminology that they'll come out with because they've got an elevated ego. That's the definition that people put on it. But actually, it's a misinterpretation of what ego actually truly is what they're describing is somebody that's out of equilibrium. That's what they're describing. Ego, from my perspective, is expressing your genius oneness. Sorry, so your genius. Ego, as a definition, as an acronym, is expressing your genius oneness. Oh, okay. So genius oh, yeah. oneness is knowing who you truly are, and it's in equilibrium. So the executive code, which is the community that, that, that I brought together, the executive code is where you have that connection between your executive center, your unconscious, and the superconscious. And when you're in equilibrium, you've got literally got that connection. So your genus oneness is when you are in equilibrium and connected with each one of those, meaning your executive center, your unconscious, and the superconscious. So ego is good, but it's people's perceptions or misinterpretation of what ego really is. If you look at ego from the perspective of it's an expression of your genus oneness, your genus oneness you in equilibrium when you are operating from that perspective well then now that's true ego let's put that way 
So ego to you means equilibrium. Equilibrium. So, yeah. Right, on the scale of uh, self-worth. Yeah, yeah. So that's the difference between ego and self-worth. It's the difference between, it's when you're out of equilibrium, well, then that's when you will, um, you won't be your within your genus oneness. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> so there's, there, there's a lot of aspects. Self-worth is one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But to look at it from the perspective of when you're on your purpose and when you're in line with your genius drivers, well, then now you'll be more in equilibrium. And therefore, if you're living your life accordingly along those lines, well, then now that is a true expression of your genius oneness, of who you truly are. Yeah. So then we've all been use, using the term ego wrong then. Because, you it's, know, when you someone has an ego, it's always not something good, right? That's exactly the perception. Yeah. But it's people, people there, there's an awful lot of terms that are out there that people don't really know the full understanding of it. And um, passion is another one for, as an example. People say, well, I got to find my passion. And, you know, especially in, in the field that I work on, a lot of people will say, well, in order to find your purpose, find your passion, find what you're passionate about first and find your passion. Therefore, that's when you, um, that's your purpose. It's so not your purpose. Absolutely so not your purpose. So if you look at it from my perspective, as, as, as I've said before, uh, I love flight experiences. I love experience anything new type of flight experience so whether it be a glider whether it be a helicopter whether it be a, a Cessna whether it be a, a you know a commercial aircraft whether it be you know a biplane um whether it be as I said earlier on you know flying into outer space that's a different flight experience I'm passionate about those things I enjoy doing them they're transient okay but if you were to go back to the origin of passion passion means to suffer passion of so, the price exactly exactly that so if you look at it from the perspective of, well, you got to find your passion. So you got to find what you're suffering. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so there's a lot of terminologies out there that people have a different understanding of, but they're actually a misinterpretation or a misunderstanding or not fully really understanding what the term really, really means. So when people, it's, it's not for me to debate in terms of, you know, do people have the wrong interpretation of ego? Well, that's what society has brought them to lead to. But when they actually find out and know, and this part of the podcast, what I want to share is when you actually know and have the wisdom and understanding of what ego actually really truly is and what ego is meant to be or what what it really is and what what people are being guided towards, now you'll have a much, much better and a deeper understanding of what it is that you're to pursue. That's really helpful. Good, good. Perfect. Well, then. On that note, let's let's end this particular episode and we, we'll take up the conversation in the next episode. Guys, I hope you got a lot from this. Um, if you have any questions, by all means, come join us in our community. Um, all you got to do is go over to paulwilliamdavis.com and you'll find us there. You'll find a link to the actual community itself. Um, Nicole, myself and all the other members, we are passionate about living out our purpose. We are passionate about reaching our full potential and what it is that we want to achieve in this lifetime. So um, come join the conversations that are taking place within the community. Um, as I said, all you got to do is go over to www.paulwilliamdavis.com. The links are going to be in the show notes, um, so you can easily get them from there. Um, but guys, look at until next time, I wish you every success. <laughs>